0: God, from eternity past and into all eternity future, Jesus, we love you. You're beautiful to us. We cherish all you are, all you've done for us. Lord, we ask that you would move in this time. It's our prayer that the train of your robe would fill this house. We would sense you, Holy Spirit. We love you. We trust you. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's our daily bread. We pray this morning we would feast upon it. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody say amen. 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 I'd like to, um, as we approach um, a Palm Sunday text, a traditional Palm Sunday text, I'd like to take you to 1 Kings chapter 1 and show you um, a story in the Old Testament that foreshadows um, Palm Sunday. Remember that First Kings essentially it just slides right after First and Second Samuel. The, the narrative continues. First and Second Samuel are largely about the anointing of Saul as king, and then the anointing of David. And as we step into First Kings, what we find is that in Chapter One, David is very old in age, and he's becoming physically frail. And the Scripture says in First Kings one that they were having trouble keeping David warm, and so they would put blankets on him and clothes, and they still couldn't keep his body warm, and so they brought a young woman and essentially to use her body heat to try to keep David warm. We see that in ancient medical practice at times. Um, when someone couldn't keep their body temperature up, you would Basically, use someone else's body heat to keep them warm. So in this season, David is very physical, physically frail. And what we learn from the scripture is David has not laid out a succession plan. So anytime in a monarchy, when, when a king, um, begins to grow sick or a king dies suddenly, the entire kingdom is weak in this moment. There's confusion and chaos concerning who's going to be the future leader. So in typical, typical kingdoms, the, the son of the eldest son of the king would be the next ruler, but in Israel, think we're only two kings deep, and the first king was Saul, and he became king because the prophet Samuel anointed him, God chose him. But Saul's son Jonathan was not the next king, the next king was the next man who God chose, who was David. And so in Israel's history up to this point, there was not a clear succession or understanding of who should be king next. And so what we have is this moment of David, um, Beginning to lose his life, he's aging, he's laying in bed all day, totally frail, the kingdom's weak, and no one knows who's to be the next king. And so what the scripture tells us is that David's next son after Absalom, Adonijah, decides that he will be king. He will fill that hole. And so 1 Kings chapter 1 verse 5. Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself saying, I will be king. He prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. His father had never at any time displeased him by asking, Why have you done this and so? He was also a very handsome man, and he was born next after Absalom. He conferred with Joab the son of Zariah and with Abathar the priest, and they followed Adonijah and helped him. But Zadok the priest and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and Nathan the prophet and Shammai and Ray and David's mighty men were not with Adonijah. And so Adonijah sacrificed sheep, oxen, and fattened cattle by the serpent's stone. Historians tell us that would be somewhere in the Kidron Valley, which is beside Rogel, And he invited all his brothers, the king's son, and all the royal officials of Judah, but he did not invite Nathan the prophet, or Benaiah, or the mighty men, or Solomon his brother. And so in this moment of weakness, when David has not articulated his secession plan, Adonijah, the next in line, he steps up and says, I will be king. And he picks a few officials who will join him, and he invites them to the feast, to his coronation, to his time of celebration. He brings sacrifices, and he's going to declare himself a king. But the scripture says he did not invite Nathan the prophet. When you don't want a prophetic voice at your coronation, there's probably a reason. He does not invite um, Benaiah, who uh, was the leader of the mighty men, David's um, bodyguards, essentially, or any of the bodyguards. And he does not invite Solomon. Why not? He invites all of David's other children, but not Solomon. Now, you remember how the story goes. Um, Nathan goes to speak to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother. Um, and they decide that Bathsheba is going to go into David's uh, room and... Bathsheba comes to David and she says, Have you not sworn to me that Solomon, my son, will be king? So we learn that David has sworn an oath to Bathsheba that Solomon will be king, but David has not made a public announcement. She leaves the room. Nathan comes in and says, Didn't you say, King David, that Solomon was to be your successor? Why is it now that Adonijah is throwing a great feast and celebrating and calling himself king? And so the scripture goes on to tell us, verse 28, Then King David answered, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence, and she stood before the king. And the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place, even so I will do this today. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the ground, and she paid homage to the king and say, May my lord, King David, live forever. It's a funny thing to say to a man who is dying. King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king, and the king said to them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon, And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet there anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. You shall then come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, for he shall be king in my place. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiah answered the king, Amen, may the Lord, the God of my Lord, the king, say so. As the Lord has been with my Lord the king, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord King David. And so Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down. And they had Solomon ride on King David's mule. and They brought him to Gihon. And there Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent, and he anointed Solomon. And they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, playing on pipes, rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was split by their noise. Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they had finished feasting. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, What does this uproar in the city mean? While he was still speaking, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abathar, the priest, came. And Adonijah said, Come in, for you are a worthy man to bring us good news. Jonathan answered Adonijah, No, for our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites and the Pelethites. And they had him ride in on the king's mule. Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, they've anointed him king at Gihon. And they've gone up from there rejoicing so that the city is in an uproar. This is the noise that you have heard. Solomon sits on the royal throne. Moreover, the king's servants came to congratulate our lord king David, saying, May your God make the name of Solomon more famous than yours and make his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. And the king also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted someone to sit on my throne on this day, my own eyes seeing it. Then all the guests of Adonijah trembled and rose. And each went his own way. Now here we see a false coronation, a false celebration orchestrated by a deceiver. His guests were all in on his scheme. But when the true chosen one Anointed king came riding in on David's mule. The city rejoiced with a great sound. The earth split and all of the enemy's camp trembled with fear. So in many ways this is a prophetic foretelling of what will happen when Jesus comes across the same Kidron Valley on a mule and the city shouts and waves palm branches, remember the Pharisees say to him in Luke's narrative. Teacher, tell them to stop. And Jesus says, if they don't cry out, the rocks will. The rocks split at the celebration of Solomon. So let's read of the triumphal entry of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And we'll explore a few different Old Testament Um, Prophecies concerning this day. And we'll explore further the imagery that we see between Solomon, the anointed king, overthrowing Adonijah, the deceiver. John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, "'Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel!' Look, the whole world has gone after him. Now, there are multiple Old Testament texts all intertwining together in this moment in Jesus' life. When Jesus is on the road to Emmaus, he says to two disciples, all of the scriptures are about me. And we find that here on this day there are multiple prophetic images all colliding, surrounding the Son of God, as the story of redemption is being told through his life. First, we see the crowd very plainly interacting with Psalm 118. Verse 24 through 27 reads this. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. This is the day of the Lord. This is the day that he has made. Rejoice! Then they begin to say, save us, we pray. Literally, that is the Hebrew word, Hosanna. When they are shouting Hosanna, they are directly, there's no shadow of a doubt about this, they are directly quoting this psalm. And they are declaring, as they declare Hosanna, they are saying, save us, we pray. We beseech thee, save us, bring us salvation. As they rejoice in this day that the Lord has made, when the light of God has shone upon Israel. This psalm finds all of its fulfillment... On Palm Sunday at the Triumphal Entry, they bring palm branches to wave. Now, palm branches oftentimes are a sign of, of victory, a, uh, a symbol of victory. The Israel is Israel's history is marked with using palm branches as a sign of victory. Historians often talk about. Um, the conclusion of the, the Maccabean revolt, when they have overthrown the Seleucids, which was roughly 150 years before Jesus' life, um, Simon the Maccabean enters Jerusalem after he's just overthrown uh, a political oppressor, and all of the crowd comes out to meet Simon waving palm branches. So historically speaking, Israel has celebrated victors by welcoming them back into re- Jerusalem with palm branches. And, and here, in many ways, it seems that Israel is interacting with that idea as Jesus enters the city and they waved their palms. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 through 10 says this. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes. With palm branches in their hands and the crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Biblically speaking, that's a future text that will happen on the last day. We will all be caught up in heaven with every nationality, every tribe and tongue, every color will be present in the throne room. And we will wave palm branches clothed in spotless robes as we declare glory and honor belong to our God and to the Lamb. The next Old Testament passage that's clearly being interacted with is Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9-11, through 11, where Zechariah prophesied, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot of Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, And he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. And as for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. The prophecy of Zechariah first commands the people to rejoice. Watch the psalmist say, Rejoice, today is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad. And then, in the prophet of Zechariah, Israel is commanded: "Rejoice and receive your king. Shout for joy, O daughters of Zion." This is a biblical command that the people of God should celebrate with everything they've got on the day when Jesus enters into Jerusalem, riding on a colt. Rejoice and be glad. Notice what Zechariah prophesies: He will come humbly on a donkey, on a colt, which is which is not a sign of. it's it's not something that's unkingly. Um, again, Solomon will ride a colt as he's declared king. It's a sign that someone comes in peace. When a king is mounted on a donkey, he comes in peace. When he's mounted on a war horse, you better go run and hide. Okay, and so Jesus comes mounted on a donkey. And watch what Zechariah prophesied. He shall speak peace to the nations. Listen to this. His rule shall be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. In other words, this king shall be king of all of creation. To the four corners of the earth, he will establish perfect peace and perfect justice and perfect righteousness. Chariots will be thrown away. Bows will be abandoned. There will no longer be war because the one coming will bring total peace to a world of chaos. How does he bring total peace to a world of chaos? How does he bring ultimate serenity? How does he bring ultimate deliverance to all evil, trial, sickness, punishment? It is not by dealing with political leaders. The Adonijah that this king has to deal with is not a political oppressor. Adonijah came to his throne through deception. And Satan came to his throne through deception. Adonijah was a manipulator, and Satan manipulates his way into power. Adonijah is power-hungry. Satan is power-hungry, craving the very glory of God. Jesus is not power-hungry, but he actually leaves heaven, becomes humble as a servant to bring us deliverance. And so Adonijah was this prideful, arrogant, power-hungry, I want glory, and in every way he reflects Satan, the enemy of our soul. But when Jesus mounts himself on that donkey and begins to cross the Kidron Valley and enter into Jerusalem, his eyes were not set at Rome. His eyes were set at Satan The enemy who brings all darkness. His eyes were set on fulfilling the prophecy that the seed of Eve would crush the head of the serpent. How would he bring ultimate and total peace? He would fully crush Satan on the cross of Calvary. He would fully deliver us from oppression and sin and bondage. He would deliver the earth from all bitterness. One day you will be clothed in a spotless robe because he would bear upon his shoulders your own judgment. Although the crowd the crowd celebrates that Jesus comes into the city, they they think they're celebrating the political um, oppressors being overthrown. Jesus denies uh, doesn't deny them their worship. He continues to march forward. His eyes are not set at Rome. His eyes are just set at the very seed of all the brokenness of creation. His eyes are set on sickness. His eyes are set on suffering. His eyes are set on um, atonement and washing us. His eyes are set on full and final and total redemption. And so, Jesus mounts on a colt and he marches towards Calvary. Fully aware that the day is coming when he will be put on a tree, hung like a sinner, where his veins will burst open, where a crown of thorn will crush his most holy head, where liars and deceivers will spit in his face. Yet he marches on towards Jerusalem because he's fully aware that in just a few short days his suffering will purchase for us peace. His blood will buy us back from the hand of the enemy. And the oil of heaven has anointed this man. He is the chosen. He is the king of heaven, the rightful heir. He is the ruler. He steadies his eyes, strolls towards his own death. Hebrew Hebrews says that he endured his suffering with joy for the joy that was set before him. And then our text ends with a nice note for our current study of Matthew chapter 23 when it says the Pharisees say to one another, you see we're gaining nothing, the whole world is going after him. There we learn that you can be dressed like a religious person and belong to the camp of Adonijah. and wear all the right clothes and use all the right words and belong to hell. So worship team, if you'd come, I'd like to get ready to close. What do we learn today? We learn that there is an anointed, chosen king of the universe who has come riding on a donkey's colt. He will come again riding on the clouds of heaven and he will establish perfect peace. This earth has a great day of deliverance coming, a full and final deliverance. It's not what you saw on the exorcist when you were a kid, okay? It's, it's, it's coming. Sickness will be eradicated. We learned that biblically and scripturally, Israel had a command to worship On the day in which he came in to to rejoice, to release songs, to shout aloud, O daughters of Jerusalem. And we see Jesus saying, if they don't shout, the rocks will cry out. And we see at the anointing of Solomon, the earth breaking. And remember what happens when the crowd begins to shout and rejoice as Solomon's anointed. The whole camp of Adonijah breaks up in fear and trembling. The scripture goes on to tell us that Adonijah runs and falls to the ground and begs for his life from Solomon. When the church, the sons and daughters of God, stand to their feet and bless Messiah as the only chosen righteous king, all of hell shakes in fear. All of hell trembles and flees and runs. And- And one of our divine commissions from heaven is to establish this place, this family, as a family of great worship. And as we come together to declare Jesus' lordship over the earth, we are releasing into the spiritual realm great worship which causes all the demons of this region to shake and tremble. We are... We are commissioned, scripturally speaking, to worship our way into spiritual warfare and to push darkness off of our children and our grandchildren and our neighbors as we declare that Messiah has come. The seed of Eve has crushed the head of the serpent forevermore. As we declare the blood of the Lamb has purchased us back from hell and has washed us fully. As we declare we have life and life abundantly and hell has no grip on us any longer so stand to your feet this morning we're going to conclude worshiping come on Jesus you alone are worthy let every idol bow let every false god bow we come to declare that Messiah has come the anointed one there's no one like you in all the earth the heavens and the earth no one besides you. You alone are worthy and holy. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Come on and worship him this morning.
1: We lift you up. You high we Bless you We will lift you up We will lift you up Jesus We will lift you up We will lift you
0: your children, your grandchildren. All his- or ministers, if you guys want to get in place, come on this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, we want you to know that all of your sins, all of your mistakes, all of your wrongdoings can be totally forgiven, washed and cleansed this morning. The blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary will wash you perfectly. Your sexual sins, your bitterness, your financial sins, your lies, your deceit. It didn't matter if you did it last night. The blood of Jesus is able this morning to set you free fully. Yesterday's mistakes has nothing to do with your salvation. Whether or not you're willing to bow your knee to the Lamb, to the Lord of all today, has everything to do with it. Don't let yesterday keep you out. Come and receive him this morning. Our altar ministers are going to be in place. Secondly, if you feel at all like you're, you've been tormented in this season, like you've had spiritual warfare over your life, we want to ask you to come and receive prayer. We believe the Holy Spirit's here to set you free. And if you're struggling with any sickness at all, man, today's the day. Let us pray for you. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to heal. Seth, will you sing that chorus just for us one more time? So the altars are officially open. Come and receive healing and life. All hail King Jesus.
1: Oh hell the Lord. Of heavens Come on, sing
0: it from your gut this morning. Oh
1: hail King Jesus. With everything I have, God, I bless you. With all that I have, I declare your beauty and your worth and your majesty.
0: Father, we ask in Jesus' name that there would be a mighty move of your spirit in this region. We ask that the kingdom of heaven would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We declare Jesus, the risen and resurrected Messiah, Lord of our lives. Come, sweet spirit. Come, sweet Holy Spirit. Let the gospel go forth in clarity. We love you, Jesus. Somebody say, we love you, Jesus. We love you this morning. Hallelujah. hallelujah the altar's gonna stay open the worship team's gonna hang out for a minute you're welcome to stay and receive from the lord but if not we want you to know how much we love you we pray you have a wonderful week and we will see you next week for easter be blessed